lately in this group, we've spent a lot of time talking about thinking, about working with thinking, uh, being mindful of thinking, heedful of thinking in the meditation, but primarily outside of the meditation in the course of our days. I mean, all of what we do in our practice is, uh, is ultimately about what we do in our days. Thinking is working with thinking, practicing heedfulness of thinking uh, is one of the most important aspects of uh, working with the mind, developing uh, mindfulness and insight in terms of the mind. Uh, there's various uh, aspects of working with the mind that the Buddha teaches, that we're asked to develop, different skills that we're asked to develop in the service of abandoning what's unskillful and cultivating what's skillful. During the pandemic, it, it, during the beginning of the pandemic, uh, one of the practices that we worked with a lot was just bringing a simple awareness to emotions. So working with emotions is another element or another aspect uh, specific skills that we use in working with emotions. So we, we talked a lot about this very simple practice of bringing awareness uh, to emotions when they would arise, a very simple practice, which I, uh, I gave the acronym ABC, bring awareness, go to the breath, have compassion, very simple practice. Really, in many ways, the, the Buddhist practices ask us to develop a simplicity uh, in terms of uh, the machinations of skill that we apply in the service of working skillfully with uh, our human experience. In, in working with emotions and being mindful of emotions, uh, the way that I like to uh, put it is that uh, our objective is to develop a skillful relationship to emotions. So that's our practice, to develop a skillful relationship to emotions. So it's not to change emotions. Uh, it's not to change our experience. Uh, it's to change our relationship to our experience. It would be a little uh, presumptuous to think that we could change our human experience. Emotions are part of our uh, are part of our lot as human beings. What we're asked to do as Dharma students is have a skillful relationship to our human experience of the body and of the mind. So, what of course enables us to have a skillful relationship to our experience is. Uh, our meditation practice and, of course, the concentration that we learn to develop in meditation. Uh, and the Buddha asks that we develop strong concentration that's maintainable throughout the course of our days uh, because we have a big job ahead of us during the course of our days, which is to have a skillful relationship to our human experience. So meditation has to be uh, practice in the service of developing strong concentration known as jhana, maintainable concentration. We need to learn skills for maintaining concentration during the course of our day because what we're asked to do during the course of our day is to meet our experience skillfully.
ultimately that's what's going to determine whether or not we're going to be able to be happy in this life. Uh, and a lot of our experience is going to be challenging as human beings. You know, we're going to meet up with sickness, aging, and death. Uh, we're going to meet up with many difficult experiences and many difficult beings, uh, many difficult circumstances. Uh, and uh, the experiences, ultimately, of the body and the mind uh, are going to be challenging. Uh, the different emotions can be challenging, and we need to have skills so that we can uh, meet these experiences. If we don't meet these experiences uh, skillfully, we suffer uh, these experiences of emotions, which basically means, of course, as we like to talk about, our heart is blocked off. We're not able to live from the heart. We're not able to make the most of our human experience. So it's really very important uh, how we deal with emotions and, and all of our human experience, because that's going to determine our ability to make the most out of our lives. So there's a lot uh, to, to motivate us to, to learn to develop these skills and to learn to develop concentration. So what does it mean to have a skillful relationship to, to emotions? Uh, the first thing that I'm, I'm going to point out a few things. I mean, we could talk about this, and we have talked about this for years, for decades. Uh, I'm probably not going to talk about anything today that you haven't heard me talk about many, many times. Uh, uh, but I am going to focus in on certain things. Uh, so the first thing that I'll uh, focus in on is the importance of alertness. Uh, we need, as we go through our days, to have this quality of alertness, uh, which essentially means we're noticing when emotions arise. Uh, the opposite of this kind of alertness, noticing when emotions arise, that if we don't notice them, might uh, be uh, uh, experiences that we cling to, and that will lead to suffering, and the heart blocking off of the heart, and our uh, uh, diminished ability to be happy, uh, not uh, having this kind of alertness is known uh, in Buddhism as ignorance. Right? So, so we're not paying attention to our experience, where we exist in this state of avijja, uh, non-alertness. So, uh, uh, partly there's non-alertness because we just aren't inclined to being alert and paying attention to these things, and in, in part, and you know, as part of that dynamic, you know, we're engaging with a lot of things that uh, uh, curtail our capacity to be alert. So, in other words, it's really hard to be paying attention and notice your emotions when they're arising if you're on your phone. So we, so we try not to be on the phone so much, as, as one example. Again, I told you I wasn't going to talk about anything that I hadn't talked about a million times before. So it's not the first time I've talked about the phone. But you know, all the technology just makes it more and more difficult for us to be in this state of alertness, non-ignorance, non-ignorance. So our practice is to be alert, to notice when emotions arise or when they've arisen, and to be mindful of them. Of course, to be mindful means to put the mind on. Uh, we put the mind on the emotion, 
and we're aware of it. We shine the light of awareness. So that's that acronym, awareness, ABC. We're aware of the emotion. We go back to the breath. We can cultivate compassion for ourselves for uh, the ways that these emotions afflict us and the ways that they have afflicted us in our life. So uh, we are asked to bring awareness to emotions. So one of the most important elements, I mean, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, grade the level of importance uh, in terms of elements of the skill, but perhaps the most important thing, or the thing that where I, I see uh, we tend to fall short, uh, is uh, we're not able to, you know, and this is part of alertness, we're not able to relate skillfully to emotions uh, uh, in the way that we're asked to in terms of being aware of emotions in real time. Okay, in real time. In real time. So that means to bring our mindfulness to the emotion, to bring our awareness to it, to shine the light of awareness to it in real time as the experience of emotion is arising. Right? So uh, our tendency with emotions is to analyze our experience of emotions, like after the fact. You know, oh, I'm a, I'm a person who has a lot of anxiety. You know, or I get angry a lot. You know, you know, and sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, I'm really starting to see my anger or my anxiety or my worry or fear," and that's okay. You know, and that's good. That's a start. You know, but just knowing that you are susceptible to these different emotions and they afflict you, and they arise and you get caught in them, uh, is not going to lead to wisdom. You know, wisdom is going to come by being able to be aware of the emotions in real time as they've arisen. So self-knowledge, self-knowledge is not, uh, you know, again, some self-knowledge is useful because it's useful to know that, okay, anxiety often arises for you, or fear arises for you, or worry arises for you, or disappointment arises for you, or dissatisfaction arises for you. It's good to know your tendencies, but only insofar as knowing your tendencies will support your ability to see when those particular emotions arise in real time and put your mind on them when they arise in real time. So that's really important. Uh, you know, and I see this so much because I'll talk to students, you know, and I mean, this goes true for almost everybody I talk to, you know, uh, you know, I'll talk to people and I'll say, well, what's coming up for you? Well, you know, anxiety is coming up for you, me, or fear is coming up, or worry, or desire, or whatever. And then, of course, my question is, well, do, are you noticing it in real time? And usually the answer is, well, no, I don't see it in real time. You know, um, I'm, I'm realizing after the fact that I've been beleaguered by these emotions and plagued by these emotions. So the real challenge, if you will, or, you know, so this is such an important point. You know, this is such an important point. You know, our task is to be aware in real time. 
when the experience of emotion is arising and to observe and to observe. So, you know, it's an off-the-cushion practice, right? You know, emotions are arising during the course of the day. You know, this isn't sitting down, you know, at the end of the day and, you know, you know, going over the day and say, well, I really got angry in the morning and I really, you know, got frustrated in the afternoon and in the evening I got ticked off about this, you know? I mean, that's all well and good if you use that as a platform for being aware of those emotions the next day in real time. So, so this is a key point. Again, probably the most important point. Uh, so, you know, and we want to try to notice the emotions, of course, uh, as, as, so, you know, as close to their arising as possible. Because what tends to happen is, yeah, at some point you may notice them in real time, but you know, oftentimes that happens when you're, or you're, you're overwhelmed because we haven't noticed them when they've started to arise so much. And by the time we realize that we're, we are experiencing anger, we're experiencing worry, it's just so, it's, you know, it, 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 it's arisen and we've held on and we've held on and it's so powerful that, you know, and it's fine, you know, at that point we can bring awareness to it, but there's not probably gonna be that much space, you know, and space of course is what is uh, going to determine whether or not we're going to be able to develop wisdom into the emotion. So, so we learn to see these experiences of emotions when they arise and bring awareness to them in real time. Uh, and there's this quality of space, right? Which is which is equanimity, right? You know, it's it's this quality of you know we're using the part of the mind that observes. We're using the part of the mind that observes, as the Buddha says, uh, you know, famously, if you will. Uh, I mean, it's famous for, in our group, I guess, probably not famous for so many people, but as the Buddha says, you know, you observe the experience in real time, like one person looking at another, or a person standing looking at a person sitting, or a person sitting looking at a person uh, uh, lying on the ground. So there's a subject-object relationship, right? you're looking at the experience just like you would be looking at a picture on a wall. And what are you looking at? You're looking at the emotion, the experience of emotion. And when we talk about emotions in large part, this is what we're talking about. Uh, you know, I use that word emotion. I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny word. It's not a word the Buddha uses. Uh, but essentially what we're looking at is a, a felt sensation. So the word, the term the Buddha uses is form, right? We're looking at the experience of emotion as it manifests as form, sensation in the body. Right? So that's again another key element of the skill. Crucial, crucial to learn to be able to develop that skill. So we're looking at the experience of emotion uh, like one person looking at another, which are shining the light of awareness on that experience as it manifests as felt sensation in the body. And we're observing and we're bringing awareness. And to a large extent, that's what we're doing, particularly when we're working off the cushion and just being aware, just shining the light of awareness on the experience. So in large part, we're not doing anything other than bringing awareness to the experience 
of the emotion as it manifests as a felt sense in the body, sensation in the body. So we're not trying to change the emotion. We're not trying to understand it intellectually. So this is really important. Now we're getting into the sort of more refinements of the skill, but we're observing it, but we're not trying to understand it intellectually. You know, I mean, what does that mean? You know, we all do that. You know, we sort of have, you know, some kind of intellectual commentary or analysis that we tend to apply in looking at the experience, right? Or, or, we, or we look at the experience and try to understand it psychologically. We analyze it psychologically, so we're not doing that, right? We're just bringing awareness to the experience. And this is the teaching of the Buddha. This is what we practice. This room and other systems for trying to understand things intellectually and psychologically, whether or not they will liberate you, I can't say. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that if we follow the instructions of the Buddha, we can be liberated and freed from uh, these emotions in terms of the ways that, they, uh, that we're afflicted by them because our relationship to them is unskillful. So we're not trying to understand the experience intellectually or psychologically. And of course, we're not trying to get rid of it. We're not trying to get rid of it. So we're looking at the experience objectively, objectively, uh, which means we're not engaging emotionally with it. And this is another thing that we tend to do, right? We engage emotionally with the emotion. So you can see the conundrum there, right? You know, we're adding another emotion onto the emotion. I've got the emotion of disappointment, and then I don't like that, right? So now I've got the emotion of aversion and disappointment. You know, and then there's, you know, then there's another one that we get. That's how we compound our misery and suffering. So, you know, we're looking, you know, in this equanimity, which again, you know, all of these capacities to have a skillful relationship to emotion are dependent on, on concentration, equanimity. Uh, when there's equanimity, we have a non-reactive relationship. We're able to look at it objectively. With this quality of space, the other thing in terms of concentration, of course, well, concentration, I mean, all the elements of concentration come into play here, because what also comes into play in terms of concentration is pleasure, right? So if, if, we're, if, we're, uh, if we are established in a degree of internal pleasure, then, uh, you know, the experience of the emotion, which may be painful, or we associate it with pain, isn't uh, so onerous to us, and we're not so desperate to want to get rid of it. We're able to look at it with more objectivity, because although this one little part of the body that we're looking at is painful, the rest of the body feels good. Yeah. So this is one of the most important reasons why the Buddha has us develop internal pleasure, because it puts us in a position of strength so that we can look at things that are painful. If all of our experience is painful, it's very hard to look at things that are painful. 
You know, as Tanisaro Bhikkhu says, we're desperate to get rid of them. You know, and that desperation or any movement in the mind that's not thoroughly accepting of the emotion is going to be an obstruction to wisdom. So when there's pleasure, we're able to say, no, I can look at that, I can be with that, not a problem, the rest of, I, the rest of my body feels really good, this one little area is painful, I can, I can observe that. So we shine the light of awareness on the experience of emotion, uh, but we practice what I call non-dwelling, which means we do that for five seconds, right? I mean, I always say you have about five seconds. And, you know, after five, five or ten seconds, if your equanimity is really good, you know, that, that space breaks down. You know, that space breaks down. You know, it may break down just by the mind starting to interfere, you know, or it may break down because you want to try to get rid of it. Uh, in any case, uh, you know, we practice this non-dwelling. This is a key to having a skillful relationship to the emotion, is that we don't dwell in the emotion. Uh, we look at it for five or ten seconds, and then we go back to the breath. Now, again, if concentration is developed, we have the capacity to separate Concentration isn't well isn't developed, you know, we tend to kind of go back into it, right? But if you have concentration is really developed, you can you can separate. That's why it's so important. Like if you hear the noise outside the window, not to go to that. You know, you've got to develop the ability to put things to the side. If you can't put the noise outside of the window, how are you going to put aside the anxiety that you've been feeling for the last 35 years? No chance. You know, so you're developing this ability. Now, this is concentration. This is one of those qualities of concentration, one-pointedness, singleness of mind. So you have that ability, all right, I'm going to come back to the breath, and we're replacing the emotion with the easeful breath. And then we're putting the mind in a good place, and then we can cultivate compassion. We can look into the heart and, uh, and, 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 and begin to, to, to know that quality of compassion the heart, which will arise uh, when there is dukkha, when there is suffering, when there is clinging to uh, a, you know, an experience of emotion. Uh, so, uh, so these are really key elements in terms of uh, having a skillful relationship uh, to an emotion, uh, bringing awareness to it in real time with space, with space. If we are able to have this kind of skillful relationship to an emotion, to be aware of it in real time with space, then there can be understanding. You know, uh, there can be wisdom. You know, we really don't have to do anything. This is what Arjun Samedo calls intuitive awareness, right? Yeah. Uh, there's potential in that space where we're just aware for wisdom. There's understanding. Yeah. The understanding is in the heart, the knowing quality. What Ajahn Chah, who was Ajahn Sumedho's teacher, said, the one who knows. You know, there's a one who knows inside each of us. Yeah. So we just let, you know, that's your place of wisdom. You let that wisdom touch into the experience. 
course, you know, again, all these things need to be in place. If you're not looking at the experience of the emotion in real time, you can't develop, you know, an understanding. You know, it's an intellectual understanding. We're trying to develop an understanding that's based on awareness of the experience in real time as we experience it in the body with enough space so that there can be wisdom. So uh, this quality of intuitive awareness uh, uh, is, uh, is activated when we have a skillful relationship to the emotion. So we understand uh, when we bring a simple awareness to the experience, we begin to understand. We begin to see, if you will. We understand non-clinging, right? You know, in that moment of just awareness, uh, when there's space, there's, there's non-clinging, right? We've created that little bit of space and in that moment, which might just be a finger snap, there's non-clinging. So we begin to understand what non-clinging is and our capacity for non-clinging. That's something the mind can't really understand, but you can understand it by seeing it. When you bring awareness with space to the experience, there is for however long, and you know, again, it may just be a finger snap of a moment, that quality uh, that state of non-clinging, you begin to understand what non-clinging is and your capacity for it is, and that you have a capacity for it. And of course, that state of non-clinging is the state of, uh, in which there's a, 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 a letting go of dukkha, a letting go of suffering. So you begin to understand uh, what it is to be free from suffering. In that space, when you bring awareness to the experience, uh, the heart, uh, the wisdom in the heart that understands that conditioned experience like an emotion is just that. It's conditioned, it's impermanent, it's anatta, it's not self, it's not who you are. You know, not self isn't something that you can understand intellectually. You're not asked to understand it intellectually. You understand it by paying attention to your experience with awareness and letting uh, your heart and that knowing quality understand the truth of that experience of emotion, that it is not self. It is anatta. When you're able to have this skillful relationship to uh, these emotions, we begin to understand uh, that we don't have to hold on to them and that there's better places for the mind. So this is why it's so important to have that easeful breath uh, and of course the quality of compassion which begin, we begin to see that we have choices, right? And most people when they're caught in emotion don't know that they have any choice, right? And that's one of the reasons why it's so painful, right? But we begin to understand that we have choices. We begin to understand our capacity for freedom. You know, that, those, the, that, the, those moments of awareness are free. You're free from suffering. You're free from clinging. Awareness is, in and of itself, free. So these are things the heart understands. You know? These are things that we come to understand by bringing awareness to our experience. So in developing a skillful relationship to emotions, we're giving the heart 
opportunity to understand. You know, it's in that space. It's in that space uh, where there's understanding. It's in that space when we're just bringing awareness to the experience and we're letting go of trying to understand it intellectually or psychologically that there's a liberating understanding, a liberating wisdom. So the degree to which that space is unhindered is the degree to which we can develop wisdom. The degree to which the space is unhindered is a function of concentration, jhana, our capacity to maintain that in all postures. This becomes our motivation to practice. We want to practice meditation because we want to see emotions when they arise, and we want to have enough space so that there can be wisdom, and so that we can ultimately be free. So this wisdom is the wisdom that will set us free, the wisdom that occurs in that place where there's just awareness. And that wisdom is developed in moments, you know, their finger snaps, their finger snaps of awareness when our wisdom develops. There are moments of awareness, moments of clear seeing, finger snaps of awareness, finger snaps of clear seeing. Most of the time, you don't even realize what's happening. You don't even realize what's happening. But what we're asked to do is to cultivate this awareness, to cultivate this awareness, to cultivate these moments these moments of awareness, these small moments of awareness that we experience when we practice A, B, C. Oh, there's dissatisfaction. Compassion. So we cultivate these small moments. These small moments are what will lead us to freedom and happiness of heart. <coughs> 